What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, recording this on a gorgeous Wednesday afternoon in Memphis, Tennessee. We now know who the Grizzlies will play in the first round. They'll be playing the Los Angeles Lakers. More on that in a minute. Before I introduce my guest, let me tell you how you can keep in touch with the show and with the podcast. So GBB Live is the flagship podcast, Grizzlies podcast, for Bluff City Media's Grizzly Bear Blues feed alongside Next Gen. Core four, starting five, and just a whole bunch of other shows for uh, Grizzly, including the post game show called Grizzly Grizz 901. So, yeah, make sure you check out all that wherever you get your podcast Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever. And make sure you're subscribing as well so you don't miss a single episode. And also, if you wanted to see our faces instead, go over to the Bluff City YouTube page over at Bluff City Media and you can see our faces. You can pull it up on the TV, watch it with your family. It'd be great. It'd be a great time for sure. But let's introduce our guest. I'm your host, Parker Fleming. And with me is the SB Nation NBA editor, the next man up over at Silver Screen and Roll, which is the Lakers SB Nation site, Harrison Fagan. Harrison, I, I can't believe we get we actually get to have this, man. I'm very happy that we, we are getting a chance to create playoff content Grizzlies versus Lakers. How's it going, man? Uh, you know, I'm I'm doing all right. Like I, I think that that I'm feeling better after uh, sleeping off last night. Uh, that was that game. I think almost killed every single Lakers fan multiple times. Uh, and so yeah, do it, doing better. Uh, rested up. I'm excited to have the Lakers back in. You know, like the real playoffs. Where again, obviously, like the stakes are high, but it's not. You know. I like I am going to die if they if they let this other team go on you know a 10-0 run because it's like literally almost win or go home uh like the play-in is it's like different although actually Grizzlies fans know because you you guys yeah. went through the play-in a couple of years it, it is a uniquely stressful experience uh to watch your team in those stakes but it was a lot of fun and so I'm I'm excited for the postseason and uh excited to match up with uh with the Lakers feeder team finally this is uh this is the prophesized uh <laughs> this is the prophesized Grizzly Bear blue silver screen and roll bowl dude like it's not even prophesized because did you expect that the feeder team would be the home court team that they're the two seed and lakers are the seventh seed i mean when i wrote that blog probably not um but you know they, they weren't they also weren't as close to winning at that point you know given how many kind of cast off better they were still in the asset accumulation mode of their life cycle yeah. and you know casting off and buying out veterans and all of that stuff but yeah I, you know the grizzlies obviously this year, going into this year i would have picked them to be a higher seed than the lakers uh yeah. going into the playoffs and i, I didn't you know i i I wasn't sure that the Grizzlies would be the two seed, though. I thought they were maybe due for more regression uh, from last year than they really showed this season, uh, at least record-wise or standings-wise. And so I wasn't really expecting this playoff matchup, but I'm excited for it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, and the fact that, you know, they're they're the two seed after just kind of the hellacious 2023 that they've experienced, you know, Steven Adams getting injured and then, the five-game road losing streak started in the crypto arena after the whole Shannon Sharp incident. You also had Adams getting hurt, Brandon Clark rupturing his Achilles, and then everything with John Morant that I'm just not going to get into. And like you know, that doesn't even include you had like they had roughly the first thirty games of the season without Jaron Jackson Jr. and Desmond Bain. So, oh wow, I didn't were, realize JJJ missed that much time at the beginning. He, mer- he missed the first 15 games of the season. Okay. So, 
kind of why you're also seeing that defensive player of the year debate yeah, yeah. That right now. But yeah, so, you know, uh, it's great. But also, too, I want to give hats off to the Lakers because, I mean, it looks like another one of those seasons for the Lakers. And I know for Grizzlies fans last year, the Lakers season was tough because there was that pick owed in the Anthony Davis <laughs> trade. And, we were, yeah. you know, we're like, wow, the Grizzlies can get like the 11th pick in the 2022 draft. That'd be great. They can go get Memphis Tiger, Jalen Duran. They can get Dyson Daniels. And then it goes to the Pelicans. And then at the beginning of the season, it looked like, great. That pick is going to swap, and the Pelicans are going to get Victor Wimbenyama. And then next thing you know, Rob Polinka, he made some great moves at the trade deadline, swapping out Russell Westbrook for D'Angelo Russell, Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley for only with only one first-round pick, which was – pretty pretty sweet and then turning patrick beverly and his barstool podcast into mo bamba <laughs> and then turning the, the podcast was actually in the trade that was you know i think i believe that was reported yeah it's it's like a it's like a form of like a second round pick you know yeah 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 it, it was yeah, instead it's... of another pick they they got the you know the, the magic wanted that kind of podcast exposure kind of intro to the business oh yeah absolutely and then and then turning kendrick nunn into ruby hachimura and then after the trade deadline they were just cooking. Um, looking at the NBA standings right now, and they had the best record in the Western Conference after the trade deadline, finishing nine, eighteen and nine um, in the twenty-seven games after the trade deadline. Just Harrison, what stood out to you in that post-deadline surge? Like, obviously, aside from getting rid of redundant, inefficient pieces like Westbrook, like Beverly, like none. Like, what really stood out to you that lets that surge? Because a big part of that surge was without LeBron James as well. Yeah, and that that was the part I was going to mention too, that uh, I'm sure all of your listeners who listen to any national NBA podcasts have heard on like, they feel the need to mention it on it. It seems like it's been on every pod I've listened to this week has been like Lakers, best record since the trade deadline. Also, LeBron was out for a lot of that. And it's all true. And I think a big reason behind that and something that sort of has gotten, you know, not missed in those numbers, but I think the biggest reason for them is that this is a, this is a functional NBA team now, despite what you saw in the play-in game last night, uh, which was like one of the worst games that I think uh, many of the members of the Lakers have played this year. Um, you know, they, they were able to gut that out. And this is a team that has, it turns out for $50 million, you can get a lot of NBA player, you know, like mm -hmm. you can get some useful guys, your Jared Vanderbilt's, your Malik Beasley, who uh, both of them have very much had their ups and downs since that trade coming over. Uh, and then D'Angelo Russell had, you know, perhaps his worst game in a Laker uniform since returning to the team that drafted him uh, last night. But, you know, for the team, I think was previously like eight and one with him in the lineup. He's dealt with some injuries since the trade deadline himself in addition to LeBron. And so just the fact that they've had guys in and out, they have, you know, still been able to persevere and play basically a month and a half of the season, like it, like the entire month and a half was a play-in game. I think you saw some of that fatigue start to wear on them last night, and they definitely could you are gonna need every single day of rest that they have before you know starting this kind of Sunday bloodbath. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it's just it's a functional NBA team now. There's a, a good number of role players. There's depth. They just they fit together better now. And there are still some concerns that I'm sure that we're going to get into over the course of this podcast, and you know some puzzle pieces that they're gonna have to kind of. Make make fit favorably to themselves rather than the Grizzlies and some matchups that they're going to have to figure out. But I, I think at this point, you know, they can compete with anyone. I, I don't know that they're going to be favored in any series they get going in this year, but they certainly, you know, um, are sort of channeling any inner Rudy Gobert and they definitely have a puncher's chance. 
<laughs> Dang, that that was a bar. That was good. But yeah, one more thing in the game. I tell you what, I feel like in that fourth quarter, like before the like before it started, I feel like either Adam Silver handed out a script or both Chris Finch and Darwin Ham Darwin Ham were just like, okay, everyone, take a shot at tequila before we play this fourth quarter. And let's just go bananas. That was that- not just the fourth quarter. That whole game was the drunkest passing I have seen from two both teams in an NBA game this year. Just like truly wild heat check passes. Oh, it was wild. insane. What was yeah. wild? Some of that was coming from LeBron. Like it's not like yeah, those, no. Like- usually LeBron is the guy you can count on to, even when he does kind of those showy like you know like highlight passes. They're generally even if they get turned over, it's usually the didn't you know kind of old where they're supposed to. be. Was such a good. And they're like you know having the ball. I don't know if they had the ball in Greece or you know what happened there, but yeah, it was it was truly just rough passing game. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know they're they're with breaking down this this uh, this matchup. We'll we'll end up you know I'll be asking some like superlative type questions. We you know we'll be going both sides here. Um, just to kind of preview both sides because I know you'll probably have your Laker people being like, all right, let's see what's going to be going on the other side. And my people are going to be like, oh, let's let's get a Lakers point of view here. So first off, I want to ask you which Lakers or we'll ask you for both teams. Uh, which role player do you think will be the most crucial in this series? We'll start with you for the, for the LA Lakers. For the Lakers? Um, yeah. I think, you know, part of me wants to say D'Angelo Russell uh, just because I think, you know, when he's going, this team is so because Russell and, you know, as as Grizzlies fans are familiar with, there's a good and a bad version of D'Angelo Russell that shows up and you never kind of know which game to game. And the Lakers have gotten the good version a lot more. And I think part of that is that he fits really well alongside LeBron. And when he has it going, this team is really hard to stop offensively because a lot of those threes, mm-hmm. you know, that are open off of the pressure that LeBron and AD create are going to a guy who is a streaky but pretty capable shooter and can also handle the ball a little bit. So he's not completely useless if he's got to take guys off the dribble. Pretty good passer, you know, not a good defender but is a guy that is sort of the prototypical, like most of the skills that you would want from a LeBron point guard. And so, you know, I think it's it's probably him, but in my heart, the answer is still like Austin Reeves, just because, you know, I think he has been... His ability to draw fouls and, you know, use his sort of footwork and craft around the rim to, you know, finish through a blow to the head and still kind of get the end one and finish the bucket, stuff like that. Like, I think has been really critical to this team. And, you know, it's not a coincidence that both of those guys played probably their worst game of the last two months. Austin, probably the worst game of his career, considering the circumstances uh, against mm-hmm. the Timberwolves last night. And that's why the Lakers look so beatable. So, you know, if those guys are don't have it going, it's going to be t- a lot tougher sledding for the Lakers. I don't know. You, you've, I know you've watched this team. Um, so, And, you know, you've been editing content and paying pretty close attention. Like, who, who's your answer? Yeah, I mean, for the, I mean, for the Lakers... See, for the Lakers, I'm not going to answer it because it's going to answer another question that I have okay. coming up here. But at least for the Grizzlies, I, I would probably say it's Dylan Brooks because he's the only guy on the team that can actually check LeBron. And, you know, I was pulling up some matchup data. And I know LeBron, they've only he only played against the Grizzlies once this year. But in that one game, he was 8 for 21 from the field, 
And he had 23 points, nine rebounds, six assists. He did have four stocks, did make an impact defensively. He was two of six with Dylan Brooks guarding him. And just Dylan Brooks is just one of those guys that he takes the defensive assignment personally. He is very intense and methodical with his approach. He's physical. He's going to use his fouls. And he just has a knack for also, too, one thing that's very prominent in today's NBA and is prominent with a guy like LeBron James is there's a lot of mismatch hunting that goes out there. You know, the, you yeah. want to get the right screen because everybody switches. You want to get that right switch so you can just exploit the mismatch. And I know for the Grizzlies, on the Grizzlies side, teams are going to try to do that with guys like John Morant and Luke Kennard. But Dylan Brooks, he just if it's his man and he's getting screened, he's fighting through the screen. He's going to stay on that guy. And, you know, LeBron's LeBron. He's the GOAT, if we're going to be completely honest. He is one of the greatest players of all time. He's going to get his. Like, yeah. he may sleepwalk into a 30 a thirty point triple double, but Dylan Brooks is going to make sure that he does his job to make sure that that 30, 10, and 10 is a lot harder to get than LeBron just go, coasting into a 40, 10, and 10. And that just also comes with staying out of foul trouble. And I'm not going to bring up the the free throw differential because I don't watch enough Laker games to really pinpoint like, oh, how are they getting those fouls? And also, too, I mean, AD lives in the paint. He's going to get fouls called because he's mainly scoring inside 10 feet. Austin Reeves drives a lot. No matter if you want to say he's getting treated like James Harden or not, like he's still drawing contact at the end of the day. So I, I can mean, touch on this for a minute if you want to, just because I know yeah, this yeah, is yeah. going to be kind of a thing during this series, and I for know sure. that the, I know that there's no, there there are fans out there that I'm not going to be able to convince that there is not a grand league wide conspiracy to get the Lakers, you know, as far as they possibly can. I would, you know, as Exhibit A of evidence, I would present to you the last, you know. 10 to 12 years for the Lakers. Uh, they're, you know, beyond uh, winning the title, it's been pretty rough uh, for those of you not following uh, super closely. Like, I started covering this team in 2012. They have made the playoffs now three times uh, during that entire run. And I know that, like, that's, for some teams, that's decent success. But for the Lakers, that's much less than they're accustomed to. Um, and as far as, like, this year's free throw differential, it's a lot of the stuff that you mentioned. This is a team that doesn't have a tremendous amount of reliable shooting, or at least not, like, there aren't, you know, as LeBron put it this year, there aren't uh, a bunch of lasers that are going to go out there and kill you. There aren't, like, you know, four or, four or five Luke Kennards out there. Or, you know, you don't have your Luke Kennards or Desmond Baines, like your, you know, guys that are going to play, you you know, double digit minutes that are going to knock down a bunch of threes that are reliable. It's going to happen pretty much every game. Um, the Lakers don't have that. They have a team that is sort of like almost running like the three man weave to the basket on a lot of mm -hmm. plays where they're just, you know, launching catapults at you in the form of human bodies towards the rim and hoping to kind of get some contact and finish through contact or finish over guys, you know, stuff like that. Anthony Davis is a guy who's done that his whole career. LeBron's a guy who, mm -hmm. you know, uh, at times can jack up some threes and get a little tentative and uh, definitely picks his spots driving to the rim more than he ever used to. But, you know, he's a guy that gets to the basket and he's going to get some calls. Like, that's going to happen when you take as many hits as he does. Same with Austin Reeves. And Austin Reeves, you know, again, the Lakers free throw differential is one 
one thing. Austin has been up there in the league in and ones this year as well because he is generally, you know, he's taking a slap to the head or, you know, a hit to the arm or a bump or whatever it may be, and he's finishing the shot. He is not, you know, it's not your James Harden, Chris Paul, you know, uh, your, uh, I'm trying to think of, uh, like, your Trey Youngs where they're yeah. he's just out there kind of like, you know, he's trying to get a guy to run into him and then just throw up, you know, just kind of like a prayer that has no shot. He is trying to making legitimate basketball moves. And, you know, you go on down the line, there's just a lot of guys, even Rui is sort of better in that, you know, mid post kind of range, mid range type thing. It's just a lot of guys that go towards the basket. And that's just going to naturally lead to more fouls. Like everybody, it was funny if you were watching, I don't know if you watched the game last night, uh, but like last night when everybody was sort of crying rigged about, you know, oh, here come the whistles, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, the free throw differential. Yeah, it, it was it was on its face. If you just look at the free throw differential, it looks bad. But then if you go back and you look at the Timberwolves shots, like they were jacking a bunch of threes. The Lakers Maybe. were going to the rim every single possession. And that is those are the types of discrepancies that they look bad for the league. I get why people would point them out in a vacuum, why they'd see the free throws and say, This is just bad. I'm not going to say that the Lakers have never gotten a favorable whistle. Like that does it does happen, just like it does for every team. Maybe even for them a little more, but I don't think that it's some grand conspiracy in this case, especially with this specific version of the team in these personnel yeah no i i totally get that i mean last night that game you know i didn't realize until i saw on twitter where i think it was uh john krasinski the the beat writer for the timberwolves for the athletic he was like those those free throws from mike Conley with 0.1 seconds left is the first free throws the timberwolves have shot all half but they were just jacking threes whether and even Conley, he was fouled on a three, you know, and which was, was the right it, shot at the time. But oh, um, that, yeah, that was, you know what that was? That was the play Ham drew up for Matt Ryan earlier in the season. Cause they got that deep, that opposite yeah. side corner look and it was crystal clear open. That was yeah. a good look. And yeah. Um, but you know, I, I get that, and I'm never one to blame the refs because like there's so many other factors into a basketball game to to take blame for a loss. But yeah, I mean, and, and I'm not. I'm also not going to line up and defend the refs this year. Like I think the officiating has been pretty terrible, like in large parts across the even even in last night's game. I actually I liked that they were letting them play. You know. Oh, yeah. um, that that they were holding their whistles on a lot of those shots at the basket because frankly like it is the playoffs the players should get to decide unless it like it concretely affected the shot or it was like clearly like a foul that affected the person's ability to you know make the basket actually like you know there should be a little more bang bang plays and stuff like that mm-hmm. in the playoffs but you know last night's refs it se- it was seemingly like going from one minute to the next you know either where we have swallowed our whistle entirely or we are calling every single moving screen if you come near a guy you know mm-hmm. and it's just uh it's a lot of inconsistency this year for sure. Absolutely. But an, a player that you touched on in that in that spiel answers my next question of which role player from the opposing team are you most – for my audio listeners, I'll put air, make sure I say air quotes – most yeah. worried about this post in this series. And for me, it's Austin Reeves because, you know, people say a lot about how – Austin Reeves is propped up because he's on the Lakers. He kind of fits that like Alex Caruso vibe where, you know, he started on the two way kind of becomes a meme, you know, he's called hillbilly Kobe, all that. But since the all-star break, he's been legitimately good. Like these are his splits, 17.6 points, 5.5 assists, 3.1 rebounds, 44% from three 
66% on twos. He's shooting almost 58% from the field on nine attempts per game. A lot of nights, and I know that I, I can say this semi-confidently from reading a bunch of analytical pieces on Austin Reeves over the last month through editing silver skin and roll pieces. Like he's um there's a lot of nights where he can be that three B to D'Angelo Russell's three A. And yeah. I think he he's like an interesting wild card in that because I feel like he's just a carbon cutout copy of the ideal role player you want next to LeBron James. He can space the four and shoot threes. He can also take pinches of playmaking responsibilities. So like at the Lakers, you know, if D'Angelo Russell just isn't cutting it, you know, and you need to spell Dennis Schroeder a break, you have a six, seven guard that could handle the ball and handle the offense and run it for four or five minutes. He can give LeBron some breaks. He gives the off he gives that Lakers offense a lot more optionality. And if he's cooking and if he's getting to the line, that that's gonna be like that's a very good asset for the Lakers. And also, too, one thing I'm thinking is you know, when it comes to defensive assignments, Dylan Brooks is going to guard LeBron. Desmond Bain is going to guard D'Angelo Russell. They are going to put Ja on Reeves. And Ja, out of the rest of the starting lineup, is the most targetable. They're going to try to target that Ja Morant and Xavier Tillman pick and roll combo with Reeves and AD. And I, I just, again, air quotes worried. I'm not like, more worried about Austin Reeves than I am like LeBron James or Anthony Davis, but like time, like for since like for decades, you've seen role players come up big and win teams a playoff series. And I think for the Los Angeles Lakers, if there's any role player I'm worried will win the Lakers a playoff game, it's Austin Reeves. Yeah, no, I think that that's a completely legitimate answer, sort of from your side. I mean, do you want me to get into uh, Grizzly's side of it? Yeah, uh, you know, what, the, the only correction I actually, the only correction I will give you on Austin is, uh, you know, you said shooter, and he's really not that great of a shooter. Like he's been okay, and when he's hitting them, he's really hard to stop. But he actually like is not. And you saw it last night against the Wolves; he was outright afraid to shoot because of how many he had missed. And that is something that combined with his. His handle is a little loose at times. Like that's something mm -hmm. that I think I imagine he's going to be in the gym working a lot on this summer because I think if if his handle tightens up, he really is like starting to trend towards like starting point guard type range. Um, but he's not quite there yet. He's still prone to those kind of pokeaways, you know, strip fouls, stuff like that. Like he's in addition to putting on a little weight, he's got to tighten up the handle and work on that shot a little bit. But right. there really is something there, and he's had a pretty special year for a second year guy. Oh yeah, especially you know two way guy. Like, my point is, he's more than a meme. Like, he's, like, yes. legitimately a starting caliber guard, wing, whatever you want to categorize him. But, Harrison, what is, who's the Grizzlies role player that, air quotes, worry you the most? I don't even have to say air quotes. I, you know, for me, this, you know, you run down the list and like, is it, is it, uh, I don't know. I know he's like part of your like core three, core four. Like, is it an insult to use Desmond Bain as this answer? Is that disrespectful? Well, like, I mean, he's averaging 21, four and four while shooting 40% from three. So it, that's just your call right there. If you want to. 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's player. the guy that I am, I guess Jaw is the one that I'm most worried about just because that combination of sort of speed, I mean, Jaw's not a role player, obviously, so this is not the answer to the question, but, um, you know, I, that much I understand for as many jokes as I made about the Grizzlies over the years. Uh, I know he's their best player. Uh, you know, Jaw obviously concerned about just because the Lakers don't have a natural kind of defensive matchup for him in their starting five. But, um, you know, if I'm running down the role players, like it is, it, it for me, you know, I know Desmond Bain is maybe a notch above this, but he's still the one that I'm most concerned out of out of those like kind of non two best players, you know, jaw JJJ, just because mm -hmm. the Lakers have, you know, part of their defensive system is they're going to let guys shoot. Like, you know, you saw it against Minnesota last night. You saw it like Darwin has brought over sort of from Milwaukee, that defensive system of like, we are going to let guys kind of, you know, jack up shots, the ones that we want to shoot. I would imagine they're going to be playing pretty far off Dylan Brooks, you know, and trying to entice him to decide that it's Dylan time. And I'm excited for, you know, all of your quotes and videos and everything that you're going to send out about, give us updates on Dylan and everything that he's got going on, Parker. But um, for me, it's, uh, it's Desmond Bain. Also, just for the fact that I just feel like, you know, this is completely anecdotal, but this is as someone who's watched the Lakers over the last, you know, several years, watched them really my entire life, you know, going back to the early 2000s when, uh, you know, I was just a kid starting to get into basketball. Um, you know, I just feel like shooters are typically the guys that kill them the most. And especially this version of the team where they're willing to sort of concede threes at times. And, you know, Desmond Bain is a guy that hasn't made a secret of the fact that, like, he wanted the Lakers to draft him. He grew up a Lakers fan. He seemed to take those, you know, matchups a little more personal. And to be honest, I don't blame him, uh, given that they traded that for like one year of Dennis Schroeder and then let him go. Um, and and so, yeah, well, they brought him back. So he, I, I, I guess, you know, Pro, right there. Rob Palinka justified. Uh, he just he, <laughs> he let Dennis Schroeder go so that he could re-sign him on the minimum two years later. It was galaxy brain stuff. Um, oh, yeah. But Bain is the one, you know, again, even if maybe it's a little bit of an insult to call him a role player. But for those role guys that are not sort of the primary, you know, force of the team, that's the one that I'm most worried about. Just because I think there's real potential for there to be like a 35, 40 point Desmond Bain uh, game at some point in the series because the Lakers are not closing out or rotating well enough or chasing him around screens well enough. Yeah. No, I mean, I get that. And, you know, uh, you, you're kind of spoiling a, a future question I have, too, with uh, some <laughs> Dylan Brooks stuff. But also, too, yeah, Desmond Payne, I mean, his evolution's been really cool because, like, most of his shots haven't even been threes. He's been getting downhill. And it was, the nickname he's been getting in Memphis is Downhill Des because he's <laughs> finding his way into the paint. He's creating for others. I found a stat from NBA University that he's averaging the same amount of transition points as John Morant, and I think that's something that could kind of, uh, kind of hurt the Lakers in a sense because I mean of their age. But I mean, even a young guy like D'Angelo Russell doesn't have a lot of burst or hustle in, in his game or anything. But no, I no mean, one's ever accused D'Lo of hustle. Uh, I don't think. Yeah, no. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he like I think Desmond Payne, like he he won the Grizzly. He was one of the two guys that won the Grizzlies the first round series last year because Minnesota they got Jaron Jackson Jr. in foul trouble and they made they blitz John Morant. So when you blitz John Morant, someone's going to be open a lot more often than not. It's like Desmond Bain or like when Desmond Bain's not playing, it's going to be Luke Kennard. Like I, I'm. I'm very interested to to see how how Desmond Bain because I mean last year in that Minnesota series he shot nine threes a game but now he has more of this three level scoring game to it uh, to his bag now and 
I, I really think he could be a pl- more of a playoff asset, even more than he was last year. And um, so no, if Desmond I'll, Bain is your ball pressure release valve, that's like a hell of an option, you know. That is, and also now, yeah. like, and now, like, they've been running these lineups where it's been, and I'm very interested to see if they do this against the Lakers because there's a Lakers lineup I see where it matches up with. I'm seeing where if the Lakers run, tell me if this lineups run frequently or semi-frequently. Ja, or not Ja, D'Lo, Reeves. Actually, we'll say D'Lo or Dennis. Reeves, okay. Beasley, LeBron, AD. Uh, maybe a little more earlier on, closer to the trade, but not as much lately because Beasley has, I think, found his way into Darwin's doghouse a little bit. He just, okay. like, has not really been hitting, and he doesn't provide just like literally does not provide anything really uh beyond shooting and so, so he's one of the streakiest shooters i've ever watched too so it's either so it's either in that beasley spot it would either be like Rui or troy brown jr yeah 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 so i'm see- like taylor jenkins tested this a lot towards the end of the regular season when they weren't resting guys but they've been running this jaw bang canard brooks jackson lineup that i i think kind of kind of matches up against that because I think I think you can hide Ja on Reeves and I think you can hide Kennard on whoever they have at the three, whether it's Rui or whether it's Troy Brown Jr. And you're talking about ball pressure valves, release valves. I mean with Jaw ja draws and you blitz. Yeah. And you yeah. have Desmond Bain and Luke Kennard waiting for a three. And I I feel you on the whole uh, oh, this defense gives up a lot of threes. Taylor Jenkins, same Milwaukee principles. Give oh, yeah, that's right. He is also threes. from the same coaching tree. That's right. Yeah, I forgot it about that. It drives people crazy how many yeah. threes the Grizzlies give up. It like, They're like, every game is like, gosh, like three-point defense is so bad. I'm just like, yeah, like it's it's bad. I can clean it up, but they still have like the third-ranked defense in the entire league. So like, Yeah, no, I mean, the Lakers had like what, the best defense or what? It was up there since the trade deadline. In yeah, the they league. had the uh, You know? It's like, so, you know, there are ways that you can find the right shooters to give up threes to in the right ways that you can survive it. But it is when it goes wrong, it is a horrifying thing to watch as a basketball fan, because it's just like, what are they doing? Why? Like this team has hit like, you know, like 25 threes. Why are they not closing out? But they they stick to the game plan. And it's mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, I guess you could probably relate to that. And it kind of works. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Harrison, on that lineup, I just wanted to add that, like, I I would not, I would be, if I were you, I would be worried, like, less so if it's Troy out there in that sort of permutation that you discussed, like, I wouldn't be that worried about it. Like, you could definitely hide Kennard on Troy. If it's Rui, Rui can actually take advantage of that matchup a little bit and has been pretty dangerous for the Lakers in attacking mismatches. So I would be concerned about that potentially if you're Memphis. But again, if you're the Grizzlies, there's no good options in the playoffs. You know, like, you're never making, you know, choices that you feel great about. It's the best of the bad options because you're only playing good teams and everybody knows what everyone is running. And so, you know, the Grizzlies may say like, if Rui is going to beat us, so be it, you know, that, that's what I'm exactly thinking. Like I would rather have, I would rather have Rui basically taking shots from like LeBron or AD or even like, I'd rather take like a contested mid range jumper from Rui rather than a three pointer from D'Angelo Russell. So like stuff like that. Um, but matchup you're looking forward to the most in this series uh say that again the matchup that you're looking like the individual matchup that you're looking forward oh. to. The- i mean 
I think we all know what the answer. I think all of us mostly have the same answer, right? It's it's LeBron versus Dylan Brooks. Like I, from a basketball nerd perspective, like of course you're excited about like AD versus JJJ, kind of like two guys that are very much in a similar mold of kind of big men, like these ultra skilled, ultra defensive big mm-hmm. men, like kind of going against each other. This clash of the lanky titans a little bit. Um, but you know how could it not be LeBron versus Dylan Brooks? Like this is going to be to me, you know, Lance Stevenson blowing in the ear 2.0. Like I'm, mean- I'm. On steroids. Like, I think this, I think it could be even more legendary than that. Agreed. Yeah. Like Dylan, Dylan is, look, I, I say this with like actual like love and affection. Dylan is an insane person. And like, sometimes those are like my favorite types of players, but like, you know, the way that he plays and the amount of, am I allowed to curse on here? Oh yeah, I don't care. Yeah, the amount the amount of shit that he talks like on and off the floor is incredible. And I think that, you know, I've been I've been on a couple podcasts, you know, talking about this. I think, you know, LeBron typically does pretty well as the series goes along against these like, you know, really physical talkers like he tends to use their aggression against them, get them in foul trouble, you know, whatever it may be, sort of take them out of the series. I was uh, I was joking on podcasts that the Lakers signed Tristan Thompson just to fulfill, you know, uh like the role of of, um, the Jawan Howard, like I'm gonna fight, you know, Dylan Brooks in the tunnel before a game and get both of us suspended, type of thing, um, you know, for for shit talking LeBron. But yeah, I mean, it's it's Dylan versus LeBron because I think you're already seeing it in the media. You know, I think uh, I saw the quotes yesterday that Dylan was like, "Yeah, it'd be exciting to knock off LeBron and the Lakers and send them out. That'd be a good warm up series for us, type of thing." Whatever he said, and then you know, LeBron was saying uh, that you know he was saying like, "You can't disrespect Dylan Brooks because he makes shots and." And trying to do like basically what Ty Lue did when he said the the Clippers weren't going to double team Anthony Davis. Like the Lakers are going to dare Dylan Brooks to beat them. They're oh, going yeah. to try and entice Dylan into saying it's Dylan time and looking off jaw and looking off Jaron. And the same thing that I would imagine a lot of Grizzlies opponents have tried to do this year. And, you know, Brooks versus the Lakers this season was 11 for 45 from the field. Uh, I saw Michael Corvo of Clutch Points look this up. And it's up. just uh, six of 20 from three. So the Lakers have so far been successful in enticing him into bricking shots and i know that like i believe at least one of those grizzlies games i think jaw was out right um so there's so, yeah one of them was the uh suspension the suspension game. yeah yeah so I, I think you know obviously those numbers are a little skewed where dylan's probably playing up a rung in terms of offensive responsibility compared to where he will be in this series but uh you know i think that that is the one I, like how could you not be excited for lebron versus latest you know talking physical irritant uh that you know he's gonna get annoyed with and you know uh, go back and forth with you know who the other day who Brooks says he models his game after? I think it was a couple weeks ago, but you know who he said was he it models? Was Draymond Green or did he lied? No, it's not Draymond. It's Ron Artest. You know, I can you I can sort of see it. Like there is a little bit of like like Ron Artest was a little more like I don't know that he talked as much like in the media type of stuff, but you can see a little bit of the like kind of young Ron Artest of like I'm just going to put my hands all over you every single possession to never stop talking, never like just really strong hands can strip you, just not shying away, backing down from any matchup. I can see it a little bit. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, you know, he's uh definitely gonna be a wild card for a lot of reasons whether it's his talk is, is dylan brooks ever not a wild card in grizzlies no, games he, like is there is, ever one where you're like yeah okay i was gonna say is there ever a game where you're like card. you know i feel really confident in what dylan brooks is going to give us in this matchup good and bad you no know, there like there is there there is nothing that i like the only thing i expect from dylan each and every night is he's gonna like bust his ass for like all 48 minutes yeah yeah and it's either gonna be good dylan or bad dylan 
But I mean, I, I'm excited for this LeBron matchup for him because I do think that he gets, uh, I think this is a chance for him to kind of stamp his status as a defender because, yeah. I mean, when it comes to, like these all defense teams, I mean, it's tough with like, the whole categorization of players. Cause, I mean, yeah, yeah. They, they kind of put Dylan Brooks in this guard category, even though he's a three, but then you also see Herb Jones as a two. Like, and then you're also in the front court, you're competing against like a bunch of bigs with all these great rent protection numbers. And Dylan, ha- like, I remember there's an ESPN article that said, like, there's nobody that defends all star players more or better than Dylan Brooks. And I just feel like he needs that, like, one playoff series to kind of stamp it. I'm not yeah. saying that he can contain LeBron or anything, but I think like doing like holding his own against him and helping the Grizzlies in a series win. I think that could do because a lot of all defense stuff, granted not to discredit anything from great defenders who have great individual defensive seasons, but you build a good case for all defensive teams based off reputation. And I think that's what hundred percent needs more of. I mean, how many all defense teams did Kobe make when he wasn't even really defending anymore? You know, like it's just like it is. There is like a little bit of a legacy aspect to it for sure. Yeah, yeah, and also too, like with the three point shooting, uh, he during all the games that the uh, the Grizzlies and Lakers played was in the middle of the worst shooting slump of his entire career. <laughs> and over the, I want to say it's over the since march he's shooting 36 percent on almost seven attempts from three per game so oh i thought you, know. you were gonna say from the field i was like oh no oh no if it was from the field <laughs> okay. I, mean, yeah. I would not have mentioned it come on i have a gymnast yeah. push here harrison i'm not gonna be i was like if that was from the field i'm surprised you're still like up doing this podcast and feeling like good about the series uh yeah, yeah no i i would be pitching for john conchar to guard uh to guard lebron james if that was the case but yeah i mean LeBron versus Dylan. That's what I'm most excited for. It's going to be the spiciest. You're going to get more of the media interactions because, I mean, you never know what Dylan Brooks is going to say. Like, I, I know you saw it and you interacted with it, but, like, I asked him about that whole vet- – I was the one that asked him that veterans question. Yeah, know, yeah. About this? And then all of a sudden he just, like – he just, like, throws, like, Carmel Anthony and DeMarcus Cousins under the bus – or Dwight Howard under the bus. I'm like, jeez, dude. Like – yeah. This is crazy, but yeah. No, like- he's he's unfiltered. I, I, I honestly, I love it. Like, you know, I, I think, you know, as long as guys aren't being like outright dirty, like I like the physical, you know, I like physical players. I like guys who, you know, talk and like, you know, we all say it's funny. Like we, they, everybody, everybody always says, you know, it's like they're tired of guys high-fiving after games and all the players being friends. But then everybody also gets mad at like the guys who start shit with everyone. And yeah, so there, it's there's just, no way, you know, to like I... Yeah, I, I mean, do I think that Dylan Brooks has a chance to look really bad at times in this series and maybe even the entire set? Like, of course, but he also has a chance to, you know, really, like you said, cement his defensive legacy. If he can really, you know, sort of like you were alluding to earlier, like LeBron's going to get his 30, but if Dylan can make him do it on 25 shots instead of, you know, 2018, you know, the typical kind of LeBronian efficiency, then mm-hmm. uh, like that is, that's a win for the Grizzlies. And, you know, you're just LeBron. I know you've watched Lakers games this year. He has a tendency to at times like there are times where he'll have tired legs down the stretch because of how much he's had to do and he will just jack up threes and so if Dylan mm-hmm. could really make him work for his points early then that could kind of sort of spell doom for the Lakers late if he doesn't have as much left in the tank especially on his uh foot that uh, yeah. allegedly everyone but the LeBron James of feet uh told him that he needed surgery on yeah that that's another factor too I was waiting to make some sort of comment about that but yeah I mean 
Um, that's obviously the matchup to look. Although, like, to. if Dylan if Dylan undercuts LeBron's foot, like if he sticks a foot under LeBron's foot, like you and I will be fighting. I'll be on my way to Memphis. It's it's you and me. Like you know, Grizzlies Lakers media showdown. I I don't know. I feel like I I feel like we need the bright light to LA for that one. I mean, All right, we do yeah, have, I'll, I'll meet you in Temecula. We do have we do have Memphis wrestling out out here. We can we could always. We, we could always... we could do like the lamest influencer version of that, you know. It's like Z list, like influ, like yeah. Two these two bloggers are going to wrestle each other. Uh, yeah, for we're... for Dylan Brooks and LeBron James's honor. We we are the NBA blo- C list blogger version, or this actually we won't say C list blogger version. That's kind of disrespectful to us. Well, the C list media, the D list media version of like J like Logan Paul versus like uh, KSI. <laughs> Like that, that's good. Yeah. Boxing, boxing match for charity. If Dylan Brooks, uh, if Dylan hurts LeBron, you and I, like, I, I, I don't care if I lose. I'm going there. I'm, I'm defending his honor. We're, we're, we're getting it going. You gotta, you gotta bring Anthony Irwin with you and then I'll bring Joe Molinax. We'll, we'll be all yeah, good. Well, be careful because Anthony actually did box, uh, growing up. So, okay. well, um, no, no, he's yeah. like, he's the guy like hyping you up. Like, okay. He's my hype man. Way. Yeah. Okay. Well, in yeah, that yeah, case, yeah. I'm feeling less confident about my chances. Uh, cause he, he definitely have to carry. I'm not a physically imposing person. Yeah. Same here, brother. It's all good. <laughs> but yeah. All right. Um, all right. So deciding factor of the series, um, I'm, I'm going to be, um, I want to go ahead and like say mine because it was also like something that I was uh, having down for matchup I'm looking forward to, but I mean, it's obvious it's LeBron versus Dylan Brooks, but the deciding factor of the series, is going to be the Jaron Jackson Jr. Anthony Davis matchup. Yep. And not in the fact of like who outplays who, but it's more about how does Jaron Jackson look in that series and how available is he in that series? Because like we said, the Lakers, they draw a lot of fouls. Jaron Jackson Jr., very prone to fouling. But also at the same time, Jaron Jackson Jr. has been absolutely dominant over the past 13 games. He's averaging 25.5 points per game. And if you expand that out to like the All-Star break, since the All-Star break, he is averaging like 22 points, 7 rebounds, and almost 3 blocks per game. And he was the reason the Grizzlies, him and Desmond Bain, obviously, were the reason they were able to stay afloat and kind of go on a little bit of a winning streak when John Morant was out with the suspension, why the Grizzlies were able to kind of power through that very adverse time is because they found a way to unlock this go-to option at Jaron Jackson Jr. and make some of the mismatches. I mean, he's a guy that if you put a traditional big man on him, he, he just attacks the closeout and he's going to the basket. Put a smaller guy on him. You're gonna put he's gonna post them up. And he's just finding and choosing a way to pick and choose his spots. And so I'm I'm looking to just like it's all gonna come down to the availability uh, of Jaron Jackson Jr. as well as like his excellence, really. I mean, he's the guy that can make this go from like a comfortable six to like a sweated out seven. And one thing I'm also ready to watch too is just how both like both Jenkins and Ham use these guys defensively because I feel like the Grizzlies will end up starting Tillman, have him on AD, and they're going to have Jackson floating off of Jarrett Vanderbilt. That's what they did last year against Minnesota, and I feel like Lakers are going to do the same thing. They're going to put Jarrett Vanderbilt on Jaron Jackson Jr., and they're going to have AD on Tillman kind of floating and being kind of just that rim roamer. And I, I, I think that's a very sound strategy for both teams. It kind of has led to them being two top defensive teams. 
Um, and you know, like that, that's just kind of what I think the series is going to pull down to. What, yeah, what I, I agree with you that I think the Lakers will initially have AD as a roamer. And I, I think that the strategy makes sense for both teams, just from the perspective of like, those two guys are the greatest rim deterrents, you know, two of the greatest rim deterrents in the NBA. Like, of course you want those guys staying near the rim and not necessarily sort of beholden to, you know, locking down the other team's star, you know, forward and getting in foul trouble that way or whatever. Um, so I do think that that will be a thing, but AD this year against the Grizzlies. You know what he's averaged this year against the Grizzlies? Let me hear it. 29 points, 20 and a half rebounds, uh, three and a half block shots a game, 55.6% shooting from the field. Uh, and then he has also drawn 11 free throws per game uh, against the Grizz. And I'm sure that you, you know, you're enough of sort of like a blog sicko to remember this. But, you know, one of AD's first big games as a Laker in, when he came over in 2019, the 2019-20 season, was against Jaron and the Grizzlies mm -hmm. when he drew, I think it was like 28 free throws or something. It was like oh, the it most a guy nice. has ever made without a miss you know something like that it was absolutely nuts i yeah, i definitely it was remember like, what you're talking about yeah no and he was like he was cooking and like that's something that ad can do with his combination of size and skill and craft like he's going to draw free throws over the course of a game and i do I, like i you know i don't have anything to add to you because like i think that is sort of the like x factor matchup whatever that is going to decide the series as much as anything because like if ad can get jaron in foul trouble then you know the grizzlies don't have a lot of great options to sort of slow him down in those lineups without him and so if that happens a couple games during the series that the Lakers can definitely win those minutes and steal a couple there. And I think that there's a decent chance that it does just given the way that AD has been rolling and how well he's been playing and, you know, his ability to sort of draw those free throws, finish around the basket if he's not getting fouled or even sometimes when he does. And, you know, I just, I, I think that that's a matchup that is going to be, and if Jaron can slow him down or affect those shots or, you know, like uh, get him in trouble, then the Lakers are kind of really screwed. And so that is going to be, I think a really, really, Really critical matchup because if AD is not going this series, I don't think the Lakers have a shot. But if AD can get going, then I think that they have you know a real kind of engine to power them to some wins and potentially a series win. Mm -hmm. That's what it is for both teams, really. I mean, LeBron's going to get his, Jaw's going to get his as well. It's going to yeah. And like, granted, AD and Jaren, they're still going to get theirs to an extent, but the magnitude of which it is and how it. It's also I don't want to stack up Jaron Jackson Jr. against a guy who an, like an MVP level big man since he since like 2013 2014, but how close he can stack up to AD will be the ultimate deciding factor of this series in my opinion. Yeah, because the Grizzlies the Grizzlies are a deeper team for sure, but the Lakers may still have you know if LeBron and AD are truly in playoff form, they probably still have the two like the top end talent be uh, beating out. Yeah, for sure. And so, all right, we'll 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 get you out on this because the other question I was going to ask you, we've answered it countlessly throughout the show, is are you ready for Dylan Brooks? And I think you are. You are just oh, yeah. pumped and jacked for the Dylan Brooks experience. It's gonna I'm, I'm excited almost more for, like, the Lakers' Twitter reaction to Dylan Brooks and, like, how – like, this is going to be – uh, a bloodbath on the court and like online. Like I think I think friendships are going to be ended. Uh, you know, like there's there's going to be you know blocks and you know mutes and all kinds of you know online feuding about free throw attempts and whatever. Yeah, I th I think it's going to be um uh like a, just a wild series on a lot of fronts. Well, tell your Laker followers that I usually try to tweet almost every post game quote I can, 
and they can count on something out of pocket from Dylan Brooks on my Twitter account. I, I will. I'll let them know. Just go yell in Parker's mentions at Dylan's like at Dylan's and quotes. It's, I, it's good I, for I'm the not, engagement. I'm not the kind where I'm not gonna like try to like throw it off the glass and try to dunk on replies or anything. Like you know, uh, my comments are a safe space. So yeah, to say just unleash like whatever you feel about what Parker tweets about Dylan, just let it go under there. That's great for his engagement. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, all right. Harrison, so with the question today, I want to thank the 353 accounts that voted. I didn't pick. I deliberately did not say, like, oh, who do you think will win this series? Because I feel like we could probably go on for another 47 minutes over why each of our teams could win the series. So instead, for the question today, I said, how far do you think the series will go? Four-game sweep, five games, six games, seven games. So 5% of the voters said a sweep 12% said seven 24% said five and 59% and overwhelming said six Harrison what would what was your vote I, I was gonna say Lakers and six so um you know I I think uh I, I well, think i the normies I I told you I, I said look I said we're not gonna say who because Obviously, you're gonna pick the Lakers. I'm gonna. Well, pick- I, 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 I have to let the people know. I gotta let Grizz Nation know that, uh, like, I, I came prepared. I'm, I'm prepared to stand on the take and have this clip look horrible if they lose in like four. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I try to not be too overreactionary to the play-in game, but if the play-in game is a preview of what I'm about to see, it's gonna be Grizz in five. Yeah, but, no, I mean, if the Lakers play like that, they have no shot in the series. I, I am, I, my prediction is factoring in that they're going to have a couple days off here. You know, they can sort of get their legs back under them and uh, potentially sort of, you know, get this thing moving. Because, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, if, if Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell play like that, the Lakers are not, you know, winning this series. Right. So I have, I have seven. So mine's Grizz and seven. Um, obviously, it's a very scared. Grizz in seven because uh, LeBron James in an elimination. No seven, game. you only pick if you're scared. Like you're like, okay, I'm I'm giving them like I, I'm saying that I think they can take it to seven. Yeah, yeah. So I'm 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 going with seven. It's just because like with the Grizzlies road woes this season, I want to say their their away record was like I'm trying to think of the the exact record without like with it matching up like math wise. Regardless, they were like nine games below 500 on the road. Wow, that's weird. They seem like a team that, you know, was just really disciplined and would do really well uh, on sort of road hey, lines. That's surprising. Hey, 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 chill out. But no, so I don't see them closing out LA in LA in a six game series, but they were also the best home team, the best home team in the NBA this past season. And, you know, I, I think if it goes to seven, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable that, the Grizzlies could close them out in seven. I do think that there would be a lot of shenanigans on the way, but it, it, it may lead to just like an all-time content day, to be honest, if the Grizzlies yeah. and the Lakers go to seven games. I think I, I've, I think the Lakers would need to like fly out Shannon Sharp for a reinforcement. Oh, yeah. But um, yeah. Sign I, him to a 10-day. You know, sorry, sorry, Shaq Harrison. You just got cut. Yeah. Shannon Sharp is uh... – yeah, or you can't sign ten days in the playoffs, but whatever. No, what you should have. I'm surprised you didn't like have something on silver screen and roll ready to like saying like the like the Lakers should sign Shannon Sharp to for the rest of the season. You know, if I had had more time this week, I probably would have done that. But uh, yeah, I just you know, I, it's been a busy week. Yeah. So yeah, I have seven games. You know, I just think 
I think there's a lot of I do think there's a lot of variance with with the Lakers just because you know you have what you saw in the playing game, but also too like this is also a team that's had the best record in the Western Conference after the All Star break. Like they're a good team, or after the trade deadline, excuse me, they are a good team, and uh, I, I do I, I don't know about their depth in the playoffs, but I also know that their pieces work together. They work next to LeBron and AD. I think they have the I think it has the goods to go to seven. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to go with Grizz and seven to be nice and comfortable. So that way, when I, I didn't predict like Grizz and five, and then it ends up getting yeah. seven, and I'm just like, no, those I, are the ones that you sweat out. I, I've made the in five predictions before. And, you know, once you drop that one game, it's like, oh no, you know. Or once it gets to two, you're like, ah, man, yeah. I'm wrong. Let's just get this over with. I'm already yeah, wrong. Yeah. Let's get it over with. So I'm just going to go seven. That way, if it's five, I'm, I'm like, all right, let's go. Like, I'm not like yeah. sweating. I'm not sweating out a game five up three one or anything. So, yeah, yeah. like uh, Lakers Blazers in 2020, I went Lakers in five, and they dropped the first game. And I actually made like, uh, I I bet at the time I had hair at the time, um, and I bet that I would shave it all off if the Lakers on a Blazers podcast, uh, if you know they had, uh, if the Blazers took more than one game, and uh, you know, thankfully they didn't, or I guess not. Thankfully, I probably would have been better off life wise if I had just committed to the bald earlier. Was it the bubble? Yeah, yeah, bubble yeah, bubble. yeah. I mean, twenty twenty, like you had an excuse. Like, it's just, it's just like, all right, I'm just gonna go ahead and shave my head. Like, I know, I should have done. I should have just done it anyway. Oh well, cool I, I came around eventually. Yeah, awesome. Well, Harrison, I appreciate you coming on the show. Is there anything you want to plug in before we sign off here? No, just uh, you know, check out SB Nation. Check out you know, Silver Screen and Roll. And uh, if you want to see the opposing sort of perspective on you know Lakers Grizz and what should be a contentious series, you know, Silver Screen and Roll will have that for any Grizzlies fans. Um, and uh, yeah, just SB Nation. We got a story up today on the Kyle Kuzma Spencer Spencer Dinwiddie beef. Uh, have something fun coming on Harrison Barnes ahead of his uh kind of you know playoff debut with the Kings and them breaking their drought and how he's helped them out this season. So we got some fun stuff coming. For sure, you know, I'm sure. Even though, even though they don't have us anymore, they'll they'll have something Grizzlies up on on their main page as well. Um, but yeah, that I, I don't know. know. Uh, I do not. I mean, know Dylan Brooks him. is bound to create at least two SB Nation articles for y'all. Yeah, that does feel like a certainty. Like that's it's something our you know our national team is gonna jump on for sure. Yeah, but yeah, you know, I I appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, make sure y'all check them out over at Silver Screen Roll. I've been editing all the all the, their stuff all season long, and it's. Really great content. It's, it's kind of helped me prepare for the series in a way because I've yeah. This is like maybe your most prepared series, probably right. Like you know, yeah, you're, you're probably absolutely. more ready for this than you would have been for any other opponent. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. All I had to do with like with like Austin Reeves was just like check the splits to make sure I'm like saying the right stats. But like, yeah, when it comes to the analysis part, I'm like, all right, cool. I'm pretty comfortable because of what people like Alex. So there you go. There's your Cooper silver screen rolled endorsement. So check it out, um, Grizzlies fans. Oh yeah. So, yeah, and then you can uh, follow me on Twitter at Pac underscore Flocka. And you can also check out all of our work over at BluffCityMedia.co. Make sure you become a Bluff City Media Insider today for good old-fashioned breakdowns on the Memphis Grizzlies. This is a great time to, to become an insider for just $5 a month because we got all the Memphis Grizzlies content for the playoffs. And we also got all your recruiting and transfer portal stuff for the Memphis Tigers basketball team. So, yeah. Go check that out, blockcitymedia.co. Make sure you like and subscribe to the down uh, to the uh, Grizzly Bear Blues podcast network feed, and subscribe to Bluff City Media on YouTube if you really enjoyed watching this podcast on your television or your computer. So yeah, that's it. Sign off. See you next week. <laughs>